such a joy to be here with you tonight. God bless you. I trust that you had a good, a good week and a good day today. I don't know about you, but all of our people come to Wednesday night church tired, and that's a good thing. I says it means you worked hard all day, and you just drag in on Wednesday night, but hopefully you get a shot in the arm from God's Word, and it helps you get through the week. And that's what Wednesday night is. It helps you just go on through the rest of the week serving the Lord. Take your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, if you will. 2 Kings chapter 4. Again, I appreciate the good uh, introduction of my wife. Uh, I was wondering why she is like she is until Brother Eddie mentioned her drug problem. And now I understand. Uh, it makes sense. Yeah, okay. And that's what she does to me at Grandview Baptist Church, and that's why I decided to retire. So there you go. <laughs> it's, been, it's been 38, <clears throat> 38 wonderful years at our church. We've been married for 47 years, or as my wife says, six good ones. And, uh, but that's Miss Vicky for you. And uh, we have had a wonderful journey serving the Lord in Oregon, going out there not knowing a single soul, 50 songbooks, and just trusting a great God. And uh, we still have the same great God that we started trusting many years ago. And it's just amazing what God can do. Um, I think every time I'm on this property... It was back in 1980, I was over next door in the Hiles Auditorium where God changed my life through the preaching of Dr. Jack Hiles there at a pastor school in 1980. It, it, honestly, I, it was just a tremendous life-changing event. And I would say that all that God has allowed my wife to do since then uh, is large measure to the First Baptist Church and its people, its ministry, its pastors. And I just want to say a special thank you to each and every one of you. Uh, thank you for loving the old church downtown and being a blessing to the cause of Christ and missionaries around the world, pastors all around the world. I was talking to one of our members uh, two weeks ago, and they were, say they were saying, I was talking about salvation, and they said, you know, I got saved in the Christian church, about 10 miles away from here in Canby, Oregon. She said, uh, that church would run buses, and I got on that bus, and I went to church, and I got saved. And that pastor would tell us that he went to Hammond, Indiana, to a pastor school, and learned how to win souls and run buses. And she said, Pastor... For all those years that he was the pastor, it was such an exciting church. So now, of course, it's cold and dead. But this is just like the church I got saved in. And I said, no, ma'am, we're Baptists. But anyway, uh, but it's just as exciting. And so uh, Dr. Hiles had that influence. Dr. Wilkerson has a marvelous uh, influence as a gentleman, a Christian. You can't find a finer Christian than Dr. Wilkerson, amen? I mean, he just is just amazing. Now, every pastor I know is envious of his ability to recall everyone's name. 
That's not fair. That's like God gave him a blessing nobody else got. And uh, I'm looking at my cards trying to say, is it Smith? Is it Smith? Or is it, I mean, Smiths? Or, you know, I wish I had that gift. I do not. So I fumble around and try my best to learn everybody's name. But I feel like he has an unfair advantage over the rest of us. And you are blessed to have a man like that that can see you once and 10 years later tell you, oh, yeah, I remember you, and see your kids' names are so-and-so and so-and-so, and and your wife, your husband's name is this, and remember you had that blue dress, and you had the shoes that were white, and he had this gray outfit, you know. uh." Second Kings chapter 4, if you will, let's get right into the preaching. We're going to start at verse 8 and read down through verse 23, uh, verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha, Elijah passed to Shuam, where was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be that when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said unto Gehazi his servant, Call this Shumamite. And when he called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Uh, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her and stood in the door, he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season as Elijah, Elisha, no, Elijah, Uh, Elias, I'll get it right, had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reaper. And he said to his father, my head, my head. And he said to the lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him, he brought him to his mother. He sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said unto her, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. And we'll stop right there for a moment. 
Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll speak to all of our hearts from your word. We have a story, a tragic story, of a woman who's lost a son. And yet, Lord, we've lived long enough to know that life is full of tragedies. And no doubt here in this auditorium, there's many Christians who've had tragedies on their own. Some have had similar stories, other, other tragic things in their life. But Lord, this story is not a story of tragedy. It's a story of hope. And I pray that you'll speak to our hearts from it. And I pray that you'll give us a truth that would comfort us, console us, encourage us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak tonight on the subject, the journey of faith. Her son had been promised by the man of God, and certainly God delivered. She was very suspicious of him, like, please, don't, don't tell me that. You know that's what I want. You know it's a child that I long for. Please, don't, don't tell me something that's not going to happen. And he said, it's going to happen. And sure enough, it did. And you can imagine the joy that filled her heart and filled her home as her and her husband, he in his old age, and she as having been childless all these years, to have a young boy, a boy that runs through the fields and has fun, and he's all boy. And he's in the field one day, and he takes a fall. Maybe he runs and jumps. We don't know how it happens, but fall occurs, and as falls happen, accidents happen, and there just happened to be a stone, and he, he hit his head. And he says, my head, my head. And like all good men, he says, go see your mama. And so uh, he runs and sees his mother, and she holds him in his, her lap, and he keeps complaining about his head until finally his eyes just close, and and his breath leaves him. And there she holds the dead body of her promised son. Now put yourself in that place. You're crushed. It's like your breath has been taken out of your body. You, you don't know what to do. The hope of your life, the joy of your life is just... It's just passed away in your arms, and there was nothing you could do. But then it dawns on her, she knows someone who can make a difference. And she takes that child and goes into that little chamber that she made for the man of God, and she lays her child, that innocent little boy, on that bed. And then she goes to her husband and says, I'm, I'm going to go see the man of God. And he asks the questions, and he doesn't really get an answer, but he says, is it all well? And she says, it is well. And so this Shunammite woman begins a journey of faith. She says, it is well. It's going to be well by faith. Now, the facts don't back that up, but she believed if she could get to God's man, everything could be okay. 
Now, have you ever made such a journey as a journey of faith? I'm sure if you've lived long on this life and you've been a Christian very long, there's times where your life has met a point where if you went on, you had to go on in faith. You had to just trust God. I think about the work of God around the world. I think about even this great church. There came a point in your history where you said, if we go on, We're going to go on by faith. We're going to trust God. We're going to look to God. God's going to help us. And by the way, he has. And he will continue to. Some have made that journey of faith because of health. Health issues. Maybe it was the doctor who said cancer. Uh, Maybe there were other problems, complications. I don't know what it is, but you know these bodies weren't meant to last forever, and they, they expire, and they wear out, and you get older, and arthritis becomes your enemy, and all your joints ache, and your knees, and your hips, and before you know it, you're another bionic man or woman because you've got so many metal parts in you. Uh, praise God for that. It allows us to endure life a little longer. But maybe it was your health that brought you to that place where you made that journey of faith and you said, God, I I, I can't make it unless you come through. The, The doctors have little hope. The medicine, there's not much hope. But Lord, my hope is in you. And if I'm going to make it, it's got to be you that gets me through. And you began that journey of faith. For some, it's relationships. The love of your life all of a sudden has announced or she has announced or someone's announced it's not going to work. And it just came out of left field. And relationships have caused so much heartache. And that's why it's so important to preach on the home, teach on the home, because the devil knows the very first institution of God was the home. That's why he works overtime to destroy it. And the second institution was the church. And that's why he works overtime to destroy it. Not because the church is wrong, not because the couple's wrong, but because God created it, the devil hates it. And he hates couples that get along. He hates marriages that stick. He hates that. And so he's always trying to drive a wedge into what God had created. And sometimes that wedge works, and there's heartbreak, and there's loss, and there's pain, and not for a day or a month, but for years and years and years. And, and sometimes you've had to look to God and say, Lord, if I make it through this, it's going to be faith. I've got to trust you. I've got to depend on you. You're my only hope. You're the only way I'm going to make it. And so you begin that journey of faith. For some, it's financial reversal. Our nation has known that time and time again. Uh, As pastoring a church, uh, I know what it is to meet the finances of a growing ministry. And every time there's a financial um, down 
set that affects America, it also affects our members. And so you go from giving is great until giving barely meets the need until giving doesn't meet the need, and you start cutting the budget until God turns it around again. But there's a journey of faith when that financial reversal comes your way. It affects your family. It affects your home. Back in 2008, we had several members, maybe a dozen different members I know, lost their home. In a church this size, it wasn't a dozen. It was dozens and dozens of people that lost what they had. And that was true all over America. And churches had just built new buildings, and now they couldn't pay for them. It was a trying time. And the only way you're going to make it through is trust the Lord. But it's a journey of faith, and it's not a short journey. Some have had tragedy and great loss and loss of children and loss of mates and loss of loved ones. And how you make it through, only God knows, but it's because you're looking to the God who does know. The journey of faith. Faith is a strange thing. I heard of a story of a man who fell off a cliff, and as he was going down, he held onto a branch, and he looked down, and there was a long drop underneath him. He knew if he let go, he was dead. And so he just started crying out, Is anyone up there? There came a voice that says, Yes, it's me. I'm the Lord, and I'm here. And the man said, wonderful. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. Please help me. I'm holding on, but my grip is weak, and I'm about to let go. And the Lord said, it's okay. I got you. Just let go. It was silent for a minute. Is anyone else up there? You know, as we go on this journey of faith, we don't always like the answers God has for us. The way it turns out is not always what we envision. It's not always the answer we're looking for. But a journey of faith trusts the one who gives us the answer, whether we agree or whether we disagree, whether we like it or whether we don't like it. If it comes from the Lord, by faith we say, yes, Lord. And we trust the Lord, and we've got to do that. This lady got on that mule, and she started that journey of faith as she made her way to the man of God. In her case, it was the tragedy of losing that only son of hers that caused her to begin that journey. And she said, by faith, it shall be well. Now, now things were not well. But by faith, she said, it shall be well. And there are going to be times in the life of every one of us as believers, in fact, many times in our life, where things honestly are not well. The reality is they're not well. But by faith, we know that God's going to intervene. By faith, we know that God can come through. By faith, we know we can trust him. We can depend on him. The one who died for our eternal soul, will he not also freely give us all good things? We know we can trust him. It doesn't look well, 
and we don't know when he's going to come through. We don't know if it's today or tomorrow, this week, next month, this year. We do not know when he's going to turn things around, but by faith we believe if we'll stay true to God and follow the Lord, sooner or later, some way, somehow, God will intervene. And by the way, that is a biblical truth. He will. He will come through for his children. Though it's not always the answer we're looking for, he always interferes, uh, interferes, he always involves his life. Well, if you're in my church, you know I can't say words sometimes. He always gets involved in the life of his children. He always does. We're the apple of his eye. He loves us. And he is going to come into our lives at the most unexpected times and meet a need right out of the blue in a way that only God can. This woman had started her journey. And the interesting thing is that faith is always what catches God's attention. It always does. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Sickness, suffering, loss, divorce, tragedy. If you've lived long, folks, that's, that's, that's just life. It's suffering. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of troubles. Job says, man is born to troubles as the sparks fly upward. That's life. It's not God's punishment. It's not because you're so evil. It's just life. We live in a sin-cursed world. And it's tragic. And tragic things happen and accidents and, and death and suffering. But when faith is involved, God notices God takes note of that. Now, faith is not an easy journey. When you move ahead in faith, it feels like you're moving ahead all alone. Until having moved ahead in faith, somewhere along the journey, God joins in. And you know it when God joins in. And all of a sudden, there's a peace that passeth understanding. The circumstances have not changed. The suffering is still there. The sickness is still there. The relationship that suffered still suffers. But God has showed up in your life, and that'll make all the difference. And that'll get you through. Whatever the outcome is, He's going to get you through. Uh, if you wake up in heaven, he's got you all the way through. But he's going to get you through. And you're going to be just fine because you've learned to rest in his care when you've placed your faith in him. Not only for your soul, not only for your eternal salvation, but for everything else. You've just placed your faith in him and said, Lord, I know it's suffering. I know it's heartache. I, I know it's financial reversal. I, I, I don't see how it's going to turn around. But I want you to know my faith is not in the facts. My faith's in my, my, faith's in my heavenly Father's hands. And you're trusting him. 
As you journey, you face doubts, second guesses, indecision, fears. But you've got to stay on the journey until you experience God's confidence, God's confirmation, God's presence in your life. The doubts are not answered, but your faith is not in answers. Your faith is in the God of answers, in the God who has the resources. Not in what he does, but in who he is. And when your faith is like that, you'll have the confidence that this woman had when you can say boldly, it shall be well. Well, they say that you might not make it through the surgery. That's okay. It shall be well. Well, it doesn't look like that person in your life ever coming back. They're never wrecking. I know, but it shall be well. Uh, I know it doesn't look like your financial situation looks very good, and it doesn't look like it's going to turn around. It's okay. It shall be well, because I rest in God's hands, and my trust is in Him. Not in the circumstances, not in the things that have happened, but my faith is settled in my God, and I can trust Him. And I do, by grace and by faith, I trust the Lord. And when that comes into your life, it changes everything. Because you're not relying on what you can do or people can do for you. You're relying on the master of the universe, the God of everything, and what he can do. He can work the impossible. Faith calls at impossible times. Faith has no easy request of you. Growing in a life of faith and starting a church, I know it takes faith faith to start a church, but then it took faith to raise money to buy property, and then it took faith to raise money to build a building, and then it took faith to take out a loan to build the building, and then take out loan to build the second building, and then uh, the third building, and then it took a little more to do the fourth, and then uh, we tried to raise money for the fifth, and we got almost there. We only missed it by 200000 and so we had to get a little more. And every step of the way, it's faith. And you'd think that if you live a life of faith, that once you take those steps of faith, that all of a sudden, uh, of course you're going to get used to it. I mean, uh, yeah, I live by faith, but the problem is every step is further than you've ever been before. It's like, Lord, now bring that back. I I jumped that far last time, but I can't jump that far. Do you trust me? Well, well, yeah, but just bring it back a little bit. You know, if I was to take a little child, especially when I was a young man, and take one of my little children, and I would set them up here, one of my boys, when he was about three or four, and I'd set him up here, and I'd say, Jump to daddy. He would jump without thinking about it. Now, if I set him up there and then backed up, I said, jump to daddy. Now he's going to think about it. He'll say, come a little closer, daddy. I said, no, no, have faith. Trust, daddy's going to catch you. Jump. Now, he's going to have a little indecision, but I'm telling you what he's going to do. He's going to jump to daddy because I've seen him do that. But now let's put me or you up here. And get a 67-year-old man stand way down here and says, jump to daddy. 
I can tell you will not have much faith. Because it's a bigger jump than you've ever experienced before, and you've never fallen that far in the arms of a man. There's a story of a house fire, and during that house fire, the young boy was trapped in his bedroom, and he went out the window and climbed up on the roof. And all of a sudden, the house was coming up, and the flames were coming up. The father had run out, and he looked up, and there's this boy, and he says, Son! jump. And and the little boy said, but daddy, I, I can't see you. He said, I know, son, but I'm down here. Jump, jump. And the boy said, but daddy, all I see is the fire and the smoke and I don't see you. And finally he said, jump, son, jump. I know you can't see me, but that's not important. I can see you. And the little boy jumped and his father caught him. And let me say, in your life, there's going to be times where it's so dark that we don't see God, but praise God, he always sees us. And we can always jump when he says jump. We can always know that his arms will catch us. We always know that the one who loves us more than life itself is the one who will come through when we have our faith resting in the arms of Jesus. Faith is a journey that requires more faith to stay on that journey. Many start, but sometimes few finish. This lady had faith to go to the man of God, but then she had to have more faith to stay until she got her answer. The Israelites, of course, had faith to leave Egypt, but they didn't have faith to go into the promised land until 40 years later. You take a step of faith and Start a business, praise God. But then you need more faith to keep the business going and more faith to get more customers and more faith and more faith. And every step of a business means you have to take another step of faith. It's like starting a church. It takes faith to get started, but it takes faith to keep going. And you never end that journey of faith in this life. For as long as you live... The just shall live by faith. And it's always a step of faith. You always have to step out and not know if God's going to catch you. You believe it, but you haven't experienced it until you take that step and see God come through. You take a step of faith in marriage. Oh, that's exciting. And then you find out, uh, you don't always see eye to eye. Why didn't she let you know when you were dating about that? Why did she always say, whatever you want, dear, while you were dating? And then you find out she has a mind of her own. And you think she'd say, as you're married for a long time, you think she'd, surely she got to the place where it's, yes, dear. Uh, not Miss Vicky. By the way, I, I like being married to a strong-willed woman. I have to. <laughs> you take a step of faith having children. I know Caleb and his wife are soon to be uh, with uh, expecting their child to be born. He was singing in the group there, and I'm excited for him. 
And, and what a blessing. You, you, you got a child, and then they keep you up all night. I love these, I love these uh, parents say, I'm going to keep him on a schedule. Yeah, good luck with that one. What, child abuse? What, how are you going to teach him? What? He'll train you. And then it takes more faith. You know, they're children, they're so, they run into your arms, they're so nice, they're so loving, then they become teenagers and they want to stay in their room all the time. And it's like, no, come on, be with the family. No, I don't want to do that. And you go, what do I do? How do you handle that? It takes faith. You've got to trust God. By the way, you made it through your teenage years. They'll have to make it through there. You know, God will take care of you. God will get you through. And it's going to increase your prayer life and increase your faith, trust in the Lord. I remember we built our first church, and uh, when we built that, I thought, man, that's going to be big enough for a lifetime. Now, it wasn't that big. It seated about 300 and had 14,000 square feet in it. And so uh, I thought, that's going to last us for a long time. Well, we just got into it, and then the very next Easter, we had 1,005 people and that building I thought was so big, but all of a sudden was so little. I remember taking a brand new family, and they came with their five-year-old. And I said, here, let me show you where the five-year-olds are. So I took the family, and I take them to the five-year-old, which happens to be a 12 by 14 foot build, uh, room. 12 feet by 14 feet. I opened the door. And there's 54 five-year-olds in that room. There's no furniture. The teacher's in the corner. Get in there and let me shut the door on you. It's like sardines. And I was surprised that the parents were not really excited about that. And so it dawned on me, you can have a big day that overloads your buildings and you've got to build more. I met on Tuesdays and Thursdays with a man in our church who was going through a tough time in life, and I met with him every morning at 6 o'clock, and we had coffee together, and uh, we would walk around the college together, and I tried to encourage him and did that for three years. And I was talking to him that morning over coffee and said, you know, uh, I don't know what to do. Our building is out of space, and and uh, we just built that less than two years ago, and now we have to build again somehow. And I don't know how to do that because uh, we borrowed all the money we could do to build that. And he said, well, you're going to have to build another building. And I said, yeah, but that's impossible. I don't know how to do that. We're not rich. I don't know where we'll get the money. And he said, well, pastor, I guess you'll have to have some faith. And I hate it when laymen preach to me. And they're right. I laughed when he said that. I said, you're right. I didn't have two nickels to rub together when we built the first building. So I'm in the same place as we built the second building. I had to have faith when we built the first. I had to have faith when we built the second. We built our large auditorium. Large, I mean, it was like this, this section here. 
it's an 800 seat auditorium, but uh, how much money did you have, Pastor? Well, I didn't have any. All I figured is we would raise enough money to make the payments on it. Only 27000 a month. And uh, I got our people together, and they made pledges, and I came up with that. Well, yeah, but how much cash did you have on hand? Well, cash, what's that? We're called nonprofit. Nonprofit. You don't make anything. So you, it comes in, it goes out. It comes in, it goes out. But all of a sudden, after 2008, the banks thought differently. And so as I was talking, they want to know how much money you have on hand. And I said, what's that? And they'd say, uh, well, you've you got to have so much. And for your size loan, you've got to have like 300000 or so. And then, uh, so I said, well, I, I, I guess we have maybe 30000 We've got enough to last, you know, half a week at least. And somehow they weren't impressed with that idea of faith. And so I said, well, I don't know, but give me time. It isn't going to happen overnight, but if that's what you want, that's what we're going to do. And it took, you know, almost 18 months, but all of a sudden we had over that in our bank accounts. And I said, well, we're going to work this out. And God blessed, and they gave us money, and we built a building. And, uh, and you know, by God's grace, we've been blessed by that. And, and today we have like two and a half million setting aside. I'm just saying... If you'll walk by faith, you'll be amazed what God will do. He just honors people who trust him. And, and, and you have no resource. He doesn't change your resources. He just, from unexpected sources, does things that only God can do. And it's just an amazing thing when you grow in faith. Now, this journey of faith, you travel alone, and it will always be in a unique journey in your case. I, I, wish, I wish I could hear someone's story, and then I'll say, well, I'll just follow their story. But see, your story is going to be different. Your journey is going to be different. Your outcome is going to be different. Now, you've got the same God, but you've got a different life, and he's got a different plan for all of us. And so we can't compare notes but we can trust the same God. And that same God will get us through our journey. Now, I want us to see the rest of this lady's journey. In verse 24, it says, Then she saddled an ass, and she said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel, and it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shumamite. Run now, I pray thee, to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with thy child? And she answered, It is well. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. And she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did, 
I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, gird up thy loins, and take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not, and if any salute thee, answer him not. And lay my staff upon the face of the child, and the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awake. Now, I do want every one of us to realize that your spiritual leader has no power of God within himself. We're just men. But we know that the power is in God, and we trust him. So don't think, because we're the pastor, we're a spiritual leader, don't think that we have such a connection with God that we can ask him whatever, and he's going to do it. No, it just doesn't work that way. There's no power in us. We are just sinners saved by grace that he's called to proclaim his word to his people. And that's who we are. And our heart aches when our members' hearts ache. And we hurt when they hurt. And we cry when they cry. But we have no answers within ourselves. But we know who has the answers. And we know how to pray to him. And we know how to call your name before the throne. And that's what we can do, because that's all we can do. And we know that God has the answers, but we also have lived long enough to know that his answers are not always the answer we're praying for. We know that. In our church, people have a sickness and cancer, some other thing. They come and ask me, and I call the deacons together, and they come in my office, and we put them in a chair. I get some olive oil. I put it on their forehead. I remind them there's no power in that oil. It's just symbolic of the Holy Spirit who indwells them, who has the power to heal. And we're going to pray. And I want you to know that this prayer is not going to get answered because of who we are. But I do want you to know that around you, as we lay hands on you and we pray for you, that we believe that God can heal you. And we believe that. And we wouldn't be here if we didn't believe that. And we've seen people who have stage four cancer be healed. We've seen people who have a type of cancer that no one's lived past 18 months, and that's been 16 years ago. We've seen people who've had tumors all through their body get tested again and find there's not a single tumor in their body. I mean, we have seen God do the miraculous. But we've also prayed for people who have passed away. And we've also prayed for people who've died and passed away or continue to suffer and suffered and suffered until they pass away. I'm saying there's no guarantee, but there is a God in heaven we can pray to, we can trust. 
And the answer is not always what we want. But we ask him for what we desire. The Bible says to pray for the desires of your heart, and we let him know our desire. God, if it's in your will, please. Our desire is that you would heal this lady, that you would heal this man, that you would heal this teenager, that you would heal this situation. And many times God has come through, but it's not always the answer we're looking for. The Bible says that when Elijah was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed, and he went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child, and he put his hands on his, uh, he put his hand, lay on the child, and he put his mouth upon his mouth, and his eye upon his eye, and his hands upon his hands, and he stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Now, I want us to know even the man of God has to wait on God. Even the man of God has to cry on God. You know, a pastor uh, is, 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 is a sort of a paradox. We stand before our church and we say, listen, I want you to understand, God's going to provide. And then we go to our room and say, dear God, please, you've got to provide. Dear God, please, you're going to do that, aren't you? Dear God, please. You've got to do that. Why? Because we don't know what God will do. It's just by faith. We believe God will. And the Bible says uh, in, about the man of God, remember them, and it says, whose faith follow? Whose faith follow? Doesn't always get us to the desired destination, but if you'll follow the man of God, you'll be amazed what God will do with your life. You'll be amazed the blessings and miracles that you get to experience when you follow a simple man of God who simply has faith. He has no facts. He has no resources. He has no means, but he has a God that he trusts. And he believes that if you'll step out on the water, you'll get a walk on top of it or the water will roll back. Remember those priests hold the ark of God, step out, and when the sole of your foot touches the water? See, the difference is a lot of Christians are saying, roll it back and I'll step forth. But a man of God, a pastor, is the guy who steps out when he doesn't even see it move a little. And God comes through. It's an amazing thing when you follow your pastor, what God will do in a local church. In a church like this that has influence that's worldwide, that has tentacles that have reached so far, there's no way you could ever comprehend as a church member the ministry and influence that this great church has had for all these years. Everything that my wife and I, by God's grace, have been able to accomplish, the influence from this place poured on our lives, that poured on the lives of the good people that we love in Oregon. The Bible says, Then he returned and walked to the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him, and the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he said, Gehazi, and he said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she was coming unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. 
You see, her journey of faith ended well. And I wish I could tell you they all end that way. But they don't. And we know that. But I can tell you that those who journey in faith are the heroes of heaven and the influencers on earth. They're the heroes of heaven and the influencers on earth. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so if you'll just look to God, you'll be amazed. It won't always turn out like you want. But if you'll take that journey of faith, my, what a reception you have waiting for you in heaven because you're one of the heroes of faith. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.